everybody, and welcome into another episode of Women Are the Journey. You are in for a story of the shift, which is going to be awesome. You'll really dig it. Gina Jackson is so much fun. I think it's quite a familiar type of story and one that we can all relate to as women. What we're going to start with, though, is I'm going to be talking about Business Goddess Style. We're coming up on the launch of Business Goddess Style. There are two groups opening at the beginning of April. First one starts April 1st. As a matter of fact, that is not a practical joke. (laughs) It really is a real thing. Look at me go. I'm really excited about it, actually. It's going to be so much fun. It's been a while since I've done a group, and I absolutely adore doing it. Now, this is for you. If you are lost, if you are maybe polishing up that resume, maybe looking for a J-O-B because everything that you've been doing in your business is not working, nothing's happening, you've shoved everything that you've got into it and now you don't even know if it's right, if the plan that you have, your idea, your business, even yourself is just not what you thought it was going to be. You're ready to toss it all. If that sounds like you, you are in the right place for Business Goddess Style. You can actually find that real business inside of you. Business Goddess Style is a 12-week adventure into you and your business. Business Goddess Style is designed to bring out all of your feminine, goofy, chaotic, discerning, ingenious, and more traits that are actually you. What we do is we do it together. So everybody is finding all of those pieces inside of them and it is an absolute 12-week adventure and I love it and you will too. My contact info is in the show notes and in the description. You can always find me on Facebook at Goddess at the Grindstone as well. Now let's move into Gina. From as far back as Gina can remember, she was helping people. She noticed at an early age that even people she didn't know would gravitate towards her and share their feelings with her. She got her degree in early childhood education, got her teaching credential, and taught young children for many years before having a family of her own. She often helped parents with academic or behavioral issues with their young children. She's also earned a fitness trainer certificate and helped women and junior tennis players with fitness and strength training. Unfortunately, she went through a really difficult divorce, and she struggled with hopelessness, loneliness, confusion, fatigue, and depression. She made a promise to herself that when she was ready and her girls were grown, that she would work some way in helping other women who are struggling through divorce. As a certified life coach, she helps women seeking direction and support through the divorce process and helps women transition into a life of independent self-assurance and self-confidence. And I love her advocacy for all of that. It was brilliant, to be honest. Her understanding of what women need is just fantastic. She's got some amazing things to say. One of the things that really struck me that she said is that she loves helping women find their identity outside of their known roles. And I think it's something that we as women struggle with in so many different ways, whether we have children or don't have children, we struggle with the role of who we are in our life. And I think that it's brilliant that she is there to help find identity. It's just brilliant. And one of the other things that struck me too that she said was that 
we end up chasing things that, that don't belong to us. It's so true. We chase the things that don't belong to us anymore in the hopes of keeping from having to change. Brilliant thing to say. Either way, I'm going to shut up and let everybody enjoy Gina. Here she is. Howdy, everybody. It is Audrey Groeschel in for another fantastic episode of Women Are the Journey. And we're really excited. I've got a local with me this time, which is really kind of fun. I think that she actually lives in the same town that I do, or at least the next town over. That doesn't happen, does it? Anyways, I have got Gina Jackson from Monarch Relationship and Health Coach for Women in the room with me. Gina, welcome in. Hi, glad to be here. Ah, I am so glad you are. That's just perfect the way that works out. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump right in. Let us go and find out where you are right now in space and time and whatever you want to tell us and go. I am in Yorba Linda, California and just got off work teaching a bunch of little rugrats. So I'm happy to be home. <laughs> what age do you teach? I teach four and five-year-olds. So I do the after school care program. I'm like an extension teacher, enrichment teacher. And uh, with this weird weather and stuff, my kids are just on another level. So I'm glad to be home. It was a long day. <laughs> I'll bet. And as Southern California people, Anybody that's not in Southern California doesn't understand our problem with the weather, but we've had rain. We've had a lot of rain. Cold temperatures. So. Yes, and cold. And I know everybody else is going, cold, are you kidding? And we're going, yeah, it's like 55. It's freezing here. It's so bad, isn't it? God, we are, yeah. Spoiled, and I'm sure the East Coast hates us right now, but. That is our reality. It is. That's true. There's nothing we can do about that. We do live here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's jump in and get started with your first crisis or whatever crisis that you want to talk about. Let's have you step right into it and go. I would say my crisis that kind of turned my life around is when I got divorced after 18 years of marriage and I had three kids under the age of, at that time it was uh, gosh, 16, I believe. So I had three girls under the age of 16 and um, that would be my crisis where my life turned upside down and being a stay at home mom, uh, I had gone to college, got my degree and everything. And when we got married, I got pregnant pretty much right away. So my teaching um, career got put on hold because I wanted to be home with my kids. And, you know, one baby, another baby, another baby. So I ended up staying at home all that time and kind of threw myself out of the business world or the career world and raised my kids for 16 years without being in the workforce. So I kind of aged myself out of there a little bit. My divorce was not a happy one. It was not cordial. It was as ugly as it can get. That kind of threw me for a loop. We, my husband at the time had a mortgage business. This happened in 2007 and eight. So when the whole market crashed and everybody's world was coming to a stop. So, so was mine on, on double fronts. So because my husband was in the mortgage business, we lost everything. 
you know, we had no assets to really put or anything. So it was tough. It was tough for me and my kids and trying to navigate what do you do when you haven't worked in 16 years and you're 40 something. I got a little bit of money. We sold our house right before we split. So I had money. I was living off half of that. It was a real shell shocker. That was, you know, no one anticipates things like that happening in their life. And I certainly didn't see it coming. That was kind of my major shock factor. I just didn't know what to do. And if you would have known me at that time, you would have not recognized me. I, I barely trying to stay normal for the girls and um, trying to fight. I'm, I'm still in court to this day, actually, with my ex-husband. So 12 years later, I'm still battling the battle and, you know, it's been a long road for me, but that was my, that was my turning point right there. Wow. I can't, first off, I can't believe that 12 years on you are still in court. Mm -hmm. That blows my mind. It's all financial. We had an agreement and he's not keeping up his end of the agreement and it's, we were divorced right away. We've been battling the child support and all of that for 12 years. It's, it, it, you know, and that wears on you too. You would like to start a new page and, you know, begin your new chapter on both sides, you know, yeah. just move forward, you know, and for whatever reason, that's not happening. And I'm learning a lot from it and I'm getting stronger from it. There's a lot of good, valuable lessons in the whole experience, but it does get draining. And I would like to just have that part of my life closed. And I'm just hoping it will be here soon. (laughs) Definitely. I can understand that. I, I mean, mine didn't last that long, but I I'm blown away that 12 years on and you're still having to deal with that. It just blows my mind. Especially when it's, it's not a fun, no one enjoys court. It's, it's just like hospitals, right? No, no one enjoys being in a hospital unless you're giving birth to your babies. No one likes it there. And it's a depressing place and um, it's full of angry people. I don't even go anymore. I just send my lawyer, but I, you know, it brought me so much anxiety back when we were first going through it that I just, it's, it's one of those things that just gives me complete panic attacks. I I can't even walk into a courthouse. So it's unfortunate, but you learn a lot and you grow a lot. And that's one reason why I told myself, if when I get on my feet and my kids get grown, you know, all my girls are out of the house now and I am going to do something to help women. And I, I promised myself that a long time ago. And I do, um, it's a slow process for me. It's still slow. I'm just starting my coaching business. I've only been doing it for oh, nine, 10 months now. You know, my background is in, in helping and teaching. And I did lay counseling at church and I went through a whole intensive program there. But I did tell myself that I would love to be able to help other women who are struggling because this is not a unique situation. Mine is no more unique than any other divorce situation, really. And I just want to help women get through that time and transition into something you know, new and different and exciting and independent and freedom for them. You know, I want them to have an identity outside of what they had before. Because when I walked out of that, I'm like, okay, well, who? I'm not a wife anymore. I'm still a mom, but I'm my 
role is completely different than what it was before. And I, I, I wish I had a coach at that time because I, I really floundered. I was like being tossed in the waves and everything I tried to do, nothing worked out because I just didn't really know what to do. And, you know, your attorney is not there for that purpose. He's there to help you separate your assets and get settled, whatever. But on the emotional day-to-day, I didn't have anyone to really help me along and let, let's, let's try to get into a, a flow of setting up some goals and getting those done and what's priorities and things like that. That's where I am now. That's what I want to do for women. I really want to help them. I have a certification in fitness, health and fitness. I've always been into that. So I thought I would help women become healthier inside and out and help them with their new lives then that would make me happy. And I love the way you put that you're out there floundering at that moment because all of us do. And so few of us are especially skilled, I guess you would say, at realizing that we need help. There's, there's a lot of shame and mm-hmm. pain and holding all of this stuff in and just doing the bitch sessions with girlfriends as opposed to actually gaining some ground on how you feel. And I think that's brilliant, actually, that you saw that your attorney was there to deal with your divorce, but not there to hold your hand. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. Like, you don't, you don't want to come off as being a hot mess. And you don't want to be that person that is the victim. You know, I did cry victim, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I did play that role for quite a while. Yeah, you get embarrassed. I lost friends through that. My my circles changed. Yeah. You don't anticipate all of that other fallout. And I was embarrassed because I didn't see that coming. I was never, you know, even my parents are still married. Divorce was never an option in their marriage, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, I was ashamed. Like you mentioned shame. I was yeah. ashamed that I didn't have this marriage this ended this way I felt horrible for my kids like what this I would have never had kids if I knew this was going to happen because then you bring all that stuff onto them so yeah there's a lot of behind the scenes issues that I don't think women talk about unless they want to get together like you said for a bitch session and complain about their ex-husbands but beside that it's like okay now what are you gonna do because you have to do something now. Right. And, and that's just it is that there's no one there. I mean, you can have a bitch session all you like. And really, it was one of the things that shifted for me that got me to the point of divorce was hearing myself say for the a thousandth time how horrible everything was. And I heard myself. I heard, actually, it wasn't me. Someone else, someone, some other voice in my head flat out said, how many more times are you going to say that without doing something about it? And I went, whoa, whoa, like who just said that? (laughs) And I was on the phone with one of my best friends and I was saying the same thing that I'd said. And those bitch sessions, they don't solve any problems. They don't solve any emotional need inside of us. Because we just keep ramping ourselves into the same thing over and over again. Exactly. 
And a coach, a coach is there to say, okay, you've said this three times. Mm -hmm. What does this mean now? Where do we go from here? How does this stop? You know, what, what is it that you need from this, this thing that you keep saying over and over again? Someone needs to call you on your BS. Exactly. And, and that's one thing I wish I would have had. I wish I would have had someone. Okay, Gina, we heard you. We've heard you yeah. a thousand times. What do you need to do to make it better? Because you sitting here and whining about your current situation is not doing you any good. And on the other front of that, you do need to be held accountable, like you said, Okay, well let's let's some set up some accountability stuff. Let's let's set up a plan. What would make you happy? What do you need to do to make you happy so you can get out of that mode and into a new fresh mode? And I I didn't have that and I just I kind of learned from I have a really dear friend who would she would call me to the carpet like that. She would say, "Okay, Gina, yeah, we've had this conversation many times. It's not going to change until you change it." She is not a life coach, but she coached me to get me to go for my goals. You know, I had this goal. I, I wanted to help women. If I can get my, you know, act together, I want to be able to help women. She says, okay, well, you know what? Your act is never going to be completely together. <laughs> You're never going to have it all together. Yep. There's always going to be something that comes up. So what do you need to do? Baby steps here that will get you onto that goal that you said you want to help other women. Cause right now you're just spinning circles and I'm probably annoying her to death. So I just, I wrote, I sat down and I wrote, okay, I want to, I want to research certification programs. I want to, you know, and you start from there and then you, you just slowly work forward and you know, it's a slow process. I still have a lot of insecurities about stepping out. I was never an entrepreneur type personality. I'm kind of more like put me in my little slot and I'll do the job and I'll do good at it and I'll come home at the end of the day. So this is all new and it's exciting and it's fun and I'm learning all this stuff, but it's a slow process. And I posted on my Instagram, I react out of fear. And a lot of times when I'm fearful, I don't act at all. That's kind of holding me back a little bit, which I don't really like. I want to ask you or actually touch on the hot mess thing that to me, I feel like the hot mess has become almost a badge of honor among women in a way. It's not a real thing anymore. It's a, I'm a hot mess kind of in a joke, kind of making it casual, not really acknowledging that that hot mess is actually real and that you're really in this hot mess. Mm -hmm. And as much as that hot mess is, it's a great description, but I don't know, is it just me or, or does it feel like that to you as well? I feel a lot because my daughters are 19, 23 and 27 that uh, they're so millennial but that term for them is kind of like you said, kind of like a quirky little funny term, like, you know, I'm a hot mess today. I have so much going on or whatever. But I do feel that way. I feel that sometimes it's taken really lightly and you're supposed to kind of think it's not that serious of a thing. But for me, uh, I literally 
was a hot mess. Like I, I just, you, I didn't know which way was going. My emotions were all over the map. It was kind of hard to live with me, you know, because I, I didn't, I was so unhappy and I was so confused. I was so angry and was holding all this in and I'm trying to be this good, stable mom. And I poured everything into trying to look, be, have normalize our lives which was a lot of work and I'm doing it alone that inside I just felt like I was exploding and the only, you know, the best I can describe it is a hot mess. But for me, it was serious. I wasn't being, I wasn't being flippant about it. It was when I described that it's true. I, you just wouldn't have wanted to spend a lot of time around me when I was in one of those moods, but I don't think women like to be as real with others as they mm. could be, or that might be helpful for them. I think a lot of what we do is fake. I feel like a lot of what we do when we're out in social circles, or even with our dear friends, sometimes we just pretend like everything's okay, and we got it. And, oh, well, everything's great. Everything's fine. And inside, you just want to cry. And I think if women were more real with each other, not just the complaining side of things, oh, my kids were awful today, or, but the deep conversations, like I'm kind of tired of uh, superficial conversations at my age. I would really like to hear what is really going on with you. I would love to be able to help you if I could, or at least be alongside of you. And I, I'm here if you need me. I'm kind of tired of the phony this and that, I don't know if it's just me and because of what happened to me or my age or I don't know, but I feel like a, a lot of women, moms, single moms, working moms, women in general, don't really, I don't know if maybe they think that no one really wants to hear what they're feeling, but I, I feel like if we could just really be there for one another and just be that transparent person. Like I'm, I'm going to cry today. I just want to let you know, I'm going to cry today that we'd be healthier. You know, I think we would be more productive. We would be better, um, uh, better wives, girlfriends, mothers, coworkers, friends. But you know, that's just my opinion. But I feel like today's society, every, everything seems to be so superficial and it, it makes me sad. It makes me sad too, because I I absolutely agree with you, and and I think that there's a lot to be said for the soundbite era that we live in right now. That's what I feel like we are in. Everything's a soundbite. Everything's ex- supposed to be living up to that Instagram life. You look at everybody doing their thing, and you think, "Wow, I I haven't gone and been out on a boat in years." You know, wow. Wow. They're having a really nice, oh, look, they're over at Catalina. Well, that's nice. Oh, look, they're skiing. Oh, that's nice. Oh, look, they bought their kids a car. Oh, that's nice. And you sit there going, wow, I'm, I'm failing. Like I'm failing. I haven't been on a vacation in years. I, I, I couldn't buy my kids a car. It doesn't matter what it is. There's this constant need then after after feeling that failure to then turn around and say, no, everything's great. Because how do you go and say to this friend of yours that you've just seen the pictures that they went skiing last weekend, 
and you're going to come and say, I hate you right now because you're living this life that I'm not. And you're thinking that they're happy and you're thinking that their life is fantastic. And you don't know that. All you're believing is the Instagram because they're telling you the same thing when you talk to them. No, we had a great time. Everything's great. Job is great. Hubby's great. Yeah, la, 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 la. And that's what we believe because we are living in that superficial soundbite type of mentality. And I think inside, so that other person on the other side of the Instagram with the, just went to the ski trip and stuff, but you call her up and say, Hey, how's it going? What's going on? Da, 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 da. Oh, I'm fine. Hubby's fine. Everything's fine. When they get off that talk with you or they put their phone down and don't post anymore, they're not that person at all. Yeah. There's not one of us on this planet that doesn't put their phone down after posting something miraculous and continue that happy moment. And I, I think that isolates us. I think that makes us more lonely. Yes. I think that makes us yes. do stupid things because you're, you're not being real. You're not being transparent. You're not sharing your feelings. You know, people that I follow on Instagram who open up about stuff seem to get more attention because, oh my, I can connect with you because I feel that too. I've, I've, I felt that too, or I'm feeling this way too, or I'm going through that kind of thing too. And I wish that, you know, we live in a virtual world. Here we are. Even if we could just share that way, you know, but I, I feel like people are missing the human element. And I, I'm, you know, you talk a lot about the masculine and the feminine. I think I feel bad for the masculine side of things because I don't feel that they open up to anyone about their really feelings. But women, they're usually more open to talking. But if you're not going to talk because you don't want your friend who just posted her, she just bought a $2 million home and you're Belinda and you don't want to come off as not being happy and totally satisfied with life, then you're, you know, there's that disconnect there between people. Yes. That's what I, I hope to help women be able to be more transparent is what I keep going back to, but that, so people know where you're really coming from and don't be afraid to share your feelings because feelings are raw, they're real and they're human and everybody has them. And if others cannot respond well to you sharing your feelings, then one, it's because they're out of practice, they don't know how. Yeah. Or two, they want to hold back. They don't want, they don't want to come off as it's not okay. I'm, you know, I'm not okay. But I feel like if we could do that and just, just love one another unconditionally, unless, you know, there's some conditions that are not lovable, <laughs> but then I think we would, you know, reconnect more. I just feel everybody's disconnected and it just, it doesn't settle well with me. I think that that's a feminine trait though, mm -hmm. because ultimately women's, I don't want, I'm going to say biologic and evolutionary role is creating community, which means creating connections. And we are innately looking for the people that we see eye to eye with. We're always looking for our, I hate this word, but our tribe. We're all looking for the people that are our choir, so to speak. I think that we're also afraid of challenging people. Mm -hmm. Not only do we not want to challenge someone on what they say, 
but we do not want to be challenged on our, no, everything's great. Life is fantastic. I love my life. I don't want to be challenged on that. Don't call me out on my BS. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's a big thing right now too, is the lack of willingness to be challenged and to challenge. I, you know, I don't know what the solution is, but I think that it, there's, it, I think people are waking up and seeing that because everybody's a hotness, no matter what, because the good happens with the bad, the bad happens with the good. It's all there all the time. Life is life. I mean, life is fantastic and it's not. Mm-hmm. I just dealt with everything with my dad almost two weeks ago, which was hell. It, w- it wasn't fun. We're in the ER. We're in the ICU. They don't know what's wrong with them. I mean, it's bad. That was bad. But then there was other good things too. So even while that bad was happening, other good was happening. I invited my brother to come. Actually, I didn't invite. I said, I need you to come out. And he did. That changed things. I've never asked for them to help. I've never asked my brothers to help with anything like that. And I called and I said, you got to come. I need help. And he did. What a brilliant thing. And we had fantastic conversations. We had a great time together during an incredibly stressful, horrible situation. Right. And that's something that you, I'm going to point out something that you said was I, I asked for help. I had not done that before. Yeah. And I think that, you know, speaking from the feminine, a lot of women don't ask for help. Mm-mm. They don't ask for help. I got this. I'm a mom. I work. I do this. I manage this. I do this. I I don't need any help. I'm not going to ask them for help. I'm not going to ask my siblings for help. I'm not going to ask family or friends for help. I got it. I'm so strong. I'm the strong woman. And the whole time you're falling apart inside and you're, you're not, you're not even doing your best job because how can you do your best job from an empty vessel? You've poured everything out that you can, you have nothing left. Yep but I, I'm not going to ask because I don't want to bother them or they won't come out. I don't know. I don't know. But see that you did that and mm-hmm. you've, you've got so many blessings out of that Yeah. In a, in a time that you really needed that. And so did your family. They were blessed as well. Right. Yeah. And I think that women, I don't know, they just don't ask for help. And you know, I didn't, I'm going to be honest. I, you know, the only ask for help I did was I got therapy, but even that, a lot of people, a lot of people don't want to do therapy. I, I don't need that. That would make me, then I'm weak. Mm-hmm. Or I don't need church or any sort of spiritual guidance or encouragement or learning. Because I'm weak if I do that. I can't, I can't ask my brother for help because that would mean that I can't, I can't do this by myself. And I feel like, you know, why not lean on each other for times when we need it? Yeah. And I do that too. Like I, I do that too. And I wish that I had, you know, my boyfriend helps me out with my girls. He's been around forever, but you know, sometimes, no, I just manage it all myself. All the things that go on with my kids, I just bring inside myself and I don't, I don't ask for help. And I don't think that's healthy. I would agree. I don't think it's healthy either. And I think that in a way we've been programmed to not ask for help. We have been programmed by and I'm not saying there's some huge conspiracy theory or anything like that, but the women's magazines, I remember, <laughs> you're of an age, do you remember the perfume called Emerode? Mm-hmm. The commercial on TV was that, you know, she brings home the bacon and fries it up in a pan 
And this woman was dressed sexy. She had on this beautiful business suit. She's wearing this green. Her hair was all great. And she's walking around with that pan full of bacon and smelling fantastic, apparently, too. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. That's funny. And it's one of those things that I think that right there was... I don't want to say it was the beginning, but it, it, it definitely was a moment in time of a fully encapsulated woman doing everything. And you're supposed to be having fun, by the way, too, and look hot and be hot and everything else that goes with it. That's because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's continued on since then. And this was back in the late 70s, I think, late 70s that that commercial is from. And that is what everybody says. The magazines tell you. Everything on the news tells you how to have it all, how to do it all. No one's saying, don't do it all. Right. Everybody is saying, do it all. And be happy when you're doing it. Absolutely. And by the way, if you're not sleeping well, and if you're fat, and if your stomach bothers you, and if you have migraines, just keep going. Pull through it because it'll get better in the end. Mm-hmm. Because you got to do it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it blows my mind. And we, we have been programmed into that. I saw a lot of women when my kids were younger that, you know, I was never one to get into PTA or any of that. I just, bleh. But um, they would take on, all, I'm the president of the PTA. I'm the Girl Scout mom. I'm the Eagle Scout mom. I'm the this and that. And they were completely miserable. They were exhausted. They were drained. Then, then they had to go home and make food for the hubby and, you know, do the laundry and clean the house and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Do you ever say no? Do you ever say no? Oh, well, oh, no. I, I got to be thoroughly involved in my kid's school. I got to be thoroughly involved in this and that. I, I was like, I, you exhaust me just by listening to you. Like, <laughs> I could never do that. And I, then you – me would feel guilty. God, I'm a, I, I suck as a mom. I'm not doing all these things. I'm not being in a PTA and doing that and this and that. And, and then I felt guilty. I'm like, wait a minute. That's just not me. And, and when you realize that is not my personality, like some, per, some people are that way. And maybe they are intrinsically happy doing all that. Good for them. But I just felt like a lot of moms I'm just talking moms here. felt like a lot of moms were overextended mm-hmm. and very unhappy and very exhausted because they felt like it was the right thing to do or this is what good moms do. I just thought either I'm a really lazy mom or I suck at this. I just, but then I, you know, as my kids got older, I'm like, you know what? You go do that, girl. I'm not happy. I would not be happy. Just say no. Like even my daughter, she says yes to everything. And then she's exhausted and she comes home tired and crying out of fatigue. And I'm like, Maddie, just say, just say no, say no. I I can't do that job. I can't babysit that day. I got grad school. You can pace yourself. And I feel like, like you say, that lady on the Emerald commercial, she's doing a million things and looking hot and smelling good at the same time. You know, I don't think you need to do that. I think you can break things down. And say no. So you have a little bit of inner rest. Yeah. Well, I was that mom. I did all that stuff. I, my daughter was, I want to say, eight days old when I was at the ballpark with the police chief getting, or the fire chief getting the snack bar okayed from the fire department 
to open this, the baseball season because I was in charge of the snack bar and the team moms. And I was a room parent. Trust me, I did it. I know. I wish that I had known back then that I could have said no because I just thought that that's what you did. When you're a mom, this is what you do. But I had watched my dad and my stepmom were president and vice president of the Little League for years. It's what you do. And my stepmom was, so both of them were working full time. She was going to school to get her degree and they were doing that. And my dad was coaching Little League and it was like, well, that's what you do. You don't say no. Why would you say no? Well, that's because we never learned to put ourselves first. That there isn't an endless well of energy that can be expended on everybody else. And I think that that is one of the hardest things in our society, especially our age group. The younger kids, it's not so much because they think it's all about them and, mm-hmm. and they are selfish. But we look at selfish, that, that, 40 some, that 35 and older looks at selfish as a dirty word. And don't be selfish because selfish is bad. And I think that that's something that needs to change because if you're not selfish, you're not connecting. You're not connecting with you. And then you're not being able to connect with anybody else. So bottom line is you're not being selfish. You're not connected to you. You can't connect to anybody else. Therefore, you're an empty vessel. I mean, it all just, you know, keeps swirling back to taking care of you. So I have a question going back. So you went and did the therapy. So we're talking 12 years. And when you said earlier that this, it's been slow process for you. Well, it's a slow process for everybody. Exactly. All of us have this expectation. Overnight successes are not overnight successes. Mm -hmm. They've been doing it for 20 years. And then all of a sudden they're an overnight success. That's the way overnight successes work. It's a slow process. It's a slow slog through all of it. It's a slow process no matter where we are. I'm wondering where you are now with that. Are you in that process yourself where you are connecting, where you are paying attention, where you are listening to you and doing what you need to do for you that has nothing to do with business, with your kids, with your man, with anything? Yeah, I am. I feel that now I have more of a voice and I speak up more for myself now. A while ago, you know, when this was first going on, you could have said or done anything to me and I probably just would have done it. And uh, I wouldn't say it was a doormat, but I just kind of let things roll into me and impact me and roll off me. I just, I, I just didn't really have any strength to do what I wanted. And, and really, to be honest, at that time, it was just really a minute by minute existence. And my thoughts were on my girls. And that was it. And I, I was I just felt like I wasn't even doing that right. So I didn't really have any strength at that time. But now I have I've learned that uh, I am kind of selfish. I, I will do anything I can to get to the gym every day. So that is a selfish thing that I do, but I need it. So for me, it's my therapy time. It's my getting inside my head time. I just, I like that time. I get my blood pressure going and my heart rate up and I just, I just need that time. So I do do that, you know, and some people are like, they, they don't get it. Like, Oh my gosh, how can you go to the gym every day? How's, you know, are you anorexic? Are you, you know, I'm like, 
now I need that time. That's what I like to do just for my myself. And then I feel like I can be good for other people and give and do all that. But just for that one hour and a half, I want to do that. And I do say no now. Like a lot of time, I would just say yes to everything. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll go there. Yes, I'll come over. Yes, I'll help you out there. And, th and I don't do that anymore. Like I, I just, no, I don't really, I don't really want to go. Like my boyfriend, anything he wanted to do, I did it. I just did it. It would be awful if I said no. He would be upset if I said no. No, now it's like, no, I don't want to go. You go. So, and I feel it's liberating because then, like, let's say you didn't really want to go, but you said yes anyway, and you're resenting it the whole time you're there. And now you're not even acting nice because now you're being bitchy. Yeah. And so for me, it's just like, no, you, if I don't want to do it, I'm going to be happier not doing it than you're going to be happier me not doing it than me going with. So, you know, I do feel like I'm a little bit stronger in that area. You know, it's still kind of a, a thing. I think it always will be, especially when it comes to my kids, but I do feel a lot better about it. It's, it's a sense of being real with yourself and then being able to be real with everybody else. Mm -hmm. I always think that that is something that creates so much fear. It's one of the things that I love about Brene Brown's work is all of her talk about vulnerability everything about vulnerability that brings so much reality and strength to you. Mm -hmm. And you live your life that way in that real world. If you allow yourself to be vulnerable and when you're living in that real world and saying, I don't want to do that, that's allowing a bit of vulnerability through because you're saying, I don't, I don't really want to go with you. You know, is that going to be okay? Are you still going to like me? Are you still going to want to be with me? Yeah. There's still that, that fear and that I'm kind of, I'm kind of shamed in not wanting to go with you, but are you still going to like me? There's still that there. So it offers up a level of vulnerability to say, I'm going to stay home. And, and to me, when you don't say no to things that you don't really want to do, it's out of, like you said, of I think you're, you're saying saying yes when you want to say no out of insecurity and like you said like you're still gonna like me after and that was a big thing for me i, I would say yes because i didn't want anyone to be mad at me yeah or i didn't want anyone to not like me anymore and you know after my divorce i i had such low self-esteem as a partner that i that's why I, I did so much with my boyfriend that i didn't really necessarily want to do every single weekend or whatever a lot of things because I was afraid he, he wasn't going to like me anymore. And do you know how exhausting that is? That's like, work. yep, it's work. And I was like, Oh my, I'm miserable here too. Yes. You know, I, I was miserable in my marriage and now I'm miserable here because I feel like I'm working so hard and it wasn't anything my boyfriend had created. It was what I had created this in my mind and that I, I was miserable. I was exhausted. I was tired. And it was, it wasn't about doing things. It was about in my mind. Well, he might not like me if I do that. Oh, I don't know if he'll, he'll won't accept me if I don't do this. And you know, so now I'm like, I'm so over that. It's like, you either love me for who I am and how I am or you don't, but that takes a lot of work. That's not, and it's still not the easiest thing for me to do, but I have a little bit more clarity about it. I'm just getting old and cranky, but it's like, you know, I, I did this thing about, I, I had some friends growing up who had been my childhood friends, two girls forever. And after my divorce, they really kind of sided with my husband more than me. 
And I tried to make my relationship work with them. I'd known them since I was 12. We were like sisters and it didn't go over that well. And I just felt like I was trying so hard to make something happen that wasn't there anymore. And so this finally, this year, I finally just, I blocked them on Facebook, my phone, everything, not because they did anything wrong. It was making me more sad to try to grab this friendship that wasn't really naturally there anymore. Yeah. I've done that with a lot of people now where before I would, I would want everyone to like me, just everyone like me. So I'll do it all. And now I'm like, you know what? I'm chasing things that don't belong to me anymore. Yeah. So I let that go. And I can't, I teach my daughters this too. They do the same thing. They're, they're so sad when friends are no longer friends and they don't know why it lightens you up a lot to just kind of let go things that don't belong to you anymore. I think that as we age, we, we gain that discernment of who is really important to us. Mm -hmm. I think your circle gets smaller. Mm When you're, when you're in your 20s, you've got a circle of 20 close friends. Mm-hmm. In your 40s, you've got two. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe one in your 50s. <laughs> that's, that's like your BFF. Right. And you still turn around and go, hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. I, it's, it's definitely, I, I can look back and see that progression and then to that discernment and, and see who actually still fits with me. Right. Who is that BFF? Right. Who are those really close people that I am willing to spend my time with? And I feel that those that come around you as you go through your seasons in life are the ones that are meant for you in the positive, right? Yeah. So the ones that no longer, why chase something that doesn't want to be caught? It only makes you feel sad. It's not affecting them on that, that end. No. It's affecting you. Yep. So why not let people that are meant to be around you and things that are meant to be around you experiences come to you and those are where you're supposed to be. That's what you're supposed to be experiencing or those people or what have you and stop chasing things that don't, that don't want to be caught. And, and it's, it's a, it's a sad thing because people like they identified with their old friends or they identified with that old life that they had before. And that was their security. And when you lose that, you kind of lose your identity and you feel more insecure and more self-conscious and all that. But I think as we get older, we start evolving a little bit and becoming more self-aware of who we are as individuals. If we can take the time to do that, then we don't feel it's not as scary to let some of that go. Yeah. And I think that that's a big thing too, is letting go of that fear of letting go. Mm-hmm. It's okay if they're not there anymore. Exactly. It is. It is. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's just like the seasons of your life. Everybody is there. I was there for them Mm -hmm. for some purpose for them, just like they were there for me for whatever purpose it is that, and, and we gave each other whatever there was that exchange of energy for each other at the time. I would never have the same friends right now that I did with in my twenties. Oh, hell to the no, (laughs) no, I'm sorry. The alcoholics and the drug addicts. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's so true. So let's talk a little bit. I feel like we really have touched on your theme and the meaning of where you're going with your business. Because 
I love that you are wanting to help the women transition out of that divorce into a different way of looking at themselves and their lives. I love that it came from your own pain and your own, I don't want to say new, but your own deepening understanding of who you are and what you needed at that time and wishing that you had you. I love that. And is there anything that I'm missing with that? No, I feel that I'm not a healer. I make sure that my clients understand if you still need healing, then, you know, I'm not qualified to do that. If they don't have their own therapist or something, I would help them find one. But after that, when you've come to a place where you are ready or looking for a brighter future and what's the next step, then that's where I can help. And I just love it. I just love seeing women's faces have hope and excitement and encouragement again where they didn't have it before. And I just make sure that my clients understand that we are here to work on some healthy life goals. We set up our expectations and things like that. It becomes such a fun experience because women need to know that other women have their backs. And there's so many of us that can relate. I mean, you can relate to a tad of what I went through. You went through a divorce and, you know, so it helps you. I got a team, you know, I got a team behind me. You don't feel so alone. I just love that. That's, I feel like even when I was in high school, it was the weirdest thing. I would have people I didn't even know come up to me and start telling me their life stories. And I'd be like, whoa, who the hell is this? Like, I don't know you. But they would just share like, I got problems with my dad. I got problems with my parents or my boyfriend or this or that. And I'm like, did did someone send you to me? But I, I don't know. I don't know if I had like a safe, aura about me or something, but I, I didn't mind listening. I hope I never try to tell people what to do. And I do tell my clients, if it sounds like I'm telling you what to do, you need to stop me right there and say, Jean, I think you're trying to tell me what to do. I try to help them help themselves because any choices that they make have to be their own or they're not going to do them. Of course. And it sounds to me like you were already coaching before you were coaching. Yeah. And you know, that's funny. My mentor coach who, who certified me, he's like, you've probably been coaching and you didn't know it long before you became a coach. Yeah. I know I was. Yeah. (laughs) I was coaching for decades before. And that's what he says. I think that's always really fun that seeing myself going, Oh my gosh, I did it then. Oh my gosh, look at that too. And that, Oh wow. Yeah. Didn't even know I had those skills and look at me go. And do you feel like now looking back that you have found your path? I have found my path for right now. Yeah. I have always been on an evolutionary journey Mm -hmm. when it comes to business-wise. I mean, personally as well, but as far as business-wise, I've always been on an evolutionary path. For right now, I am. Mm -hmm. I don't know where, what it looks like a year from now. I don't know what it looks like five years from now. Am I still on that path at that point? Like where I am right now? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I am open to the possibility of what happens next. I agree. So I like that. And it's, it's almost like this adventure that you have 
that you don't have to go anywhere, that you don't have to pay for, that you don't have to get skis or new clothes or anything like that, that it's your life and it's an adventure. And if you look at it that way, it's a lot more fun. <laughs> You're looking at it going, oh my God, what do I do next? What's happening now? And oh my gosh, what's anybody going to think? You're screwed. <laughs> You're just done. You're open to so many different possibilities that way, right? You, you don't, you're not saying, well, I'm going to be a banker for until I retire. There's so many different tributaries on the river that you could be going down the river and like, I think I want to go that way. So I'm going to exactly. do that way. And, you know, it's, it's, that's what I feel like is so exciting. Like you say, it is an adventure. Like I, I never thought I'd be here when I was 20, yeah. you know, so it's exciting. Oh my gosh. At 20, at 30, at 40, I would never have said, this is where I'm going to be. Yeah. Maybe at 50, I would have said that, but at 20, 30 or 40, no, mm -hmm. I had no idea where I was. No. Right. You'd like to think that you had a little bit more self-awareness. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a journey as well. I think we we're always evolving. Yeah. And I think the big thing is too, is that we think that we're all grown up at 20. We think we're hot shit at 30. We're going, Oh my God, I know exactly what I'm doing with my life. And then at 40, you turn around and go, Oh my God, I was such an idiot at 30. I had no idea what I was doing. And then at 50, you turn around and go, okay, like, I think she had a little bit more going on at 40, but she, she still really didn't know. And I wonder what I'm going to be saying about myself at 60. I do wonder that now. Now I'm that self-aware and going, hmm, mm -hmm. is my 60-year-old going to be okay with where I am now? Which I think she will. Mm -hmm. Whereas my 50-year-old self was going, oh my God, you just totally <laughs> screwed off your last 10 years. What have you done with true, yourself? True. I agree. I'm right there. I'm right there right now. It's like, whoa, what have I been doing for 10 years? Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I feel a lot of wasted time. But you know what? It's all, you learn a lot through that. What you feel is wasted time. There was lessons there. So I'm trying to think of it that way. Yes. <laughs> well, the way I look at it too is we were living our life. We just weren't self-aware enough to see that we were. Right. Youth is definitely wasted on the young. <laughs> yes, true. I wish I could go back with what I know now back then and, and utilize it better, but now yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't be who you are and where you are right now without it. <laughs> so true. So true. Okay. So let's move into what are your best tips for women entrepreneurs out there? Women entrepreneurs out there. I, I feel that communicating is key and, and get outside of your fear. For me, getting outside of my fear that I'm not going to be accepted. I'm not qualified enough. No one's going to like me. You know, all those kinds of things that hold entrepreneurs back from really stepping outside their comfort zone. That for me is a big tip. So I, I'm doing that tip myself. I, you know, it's not like I've accomplished that all the way yet, but acting in spite of your fears, sometimes those fears become your courage and not to hold yourself back. And I did a little vlog today. And I don't know if you watched This Is Us, but I am addicted to that program. And last night, one of the characters was worried about stepping out into a new career at her age. She's my age, 50-something. And she was expressing that fear to her husband. And he said, since when? She said, what if people don't like me? 
And he said, since when do we ever listen to people? <laughs> I thought that was key for what I needed to hear for me. And I, I need to stop listening to either other voices that are being critical or possibly could be critical or my own inner voices that are telling are very critical because I have a lot of self little critical voices in here. We all do. And so for me, that would be a to persevere through that fear. I like that. That's really good. It's, it reminds me of a book that I read years ago. I still have it. Actually, I have the second one too. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Susan Jeffries. And then beyond that, there's a second book too. Fabulous. I read those books. I want to say I read the first one when I was probably late 20s. I mean, it was a long time ago. And it was meaningless to me then. <laughs> then I read it again in my 40s. And it was like, how did I miss this? <laughs> totally your mindset at that time. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Very much mindset. Well, this has been fantastic, Gina. Love it. I love the conversation. It's been terrific. And we're going to get into now, who are your clients? Why do they need you? And what do you give them? My clients are women. They need me for times when they are in a state of confusion. You don't have to be divorced. I do work with a lot of divorced or divorcing women. Just women that are in a, in a stage where they, they know that something, they want to do something more. They might not just know what it is or how to do it. And that's where I come in. I help them clean all that up and help them discover some things, help them work on, oh, I, I really want to, I, I so want to get into teaching. I want to teach art school. Okay, well, let's work on some steps. What do you need to do to get to that point? So it's, it's about goals, setting goals. And so if I can help women, it could be relationships, it could be health, career. I do most of my work is with relationship coaching. Anytime that a woman needs help getting through difficult times or they need to make a change, they know they need to make a change, but they just need that little push and some guidance to do so. It sounds like more than anything that you're dealing with women who are transitioning. I would say whether it be through a divorce or just through maybe empty nester moms, transitioning, whatever season they're coming from one season to another. Mm, I like that. <laughs> transitioning through seasons. That's yep. good. I like that very much. Okay. That is going to wrap us up for the interview. <sighs> it's been good. Gina? Thank you for being here. Thank you for bringing your wisdom. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing all of your stuff. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. It's exciting. I know it is, right? It's super fun to do. I love the interviews. Oh my gosh. They're like the best thing ever. It's amazing. And let's see, you're going to be episode 67, I believe. So that puts me into almost 40 interviews at this point. So it's a good time. I love doing it. Very cool. Yeah, it's fun. That being said, Gina and I are going to step into the peek under the skirt in just a minute, which will only be available in Goddess's Inner Circle, where you can come and see, well, actually listen to the peek under the skirt, and you can participate in all kinds of discussions in Goddess's Inner Circle, especially regarding 
anything that I am working on, which right now this week has been goals. So we're talking what goals mean and how they're masculine or are they feminine and what you can do differently. This week's super secret password for Goddess's Inner Circle is going to be transitioning. So that wraps up this interview with Gina Jackson. If you want any more information, you can see all of her links in the show notes. And that's it for the day, everybody. And we will be talking to you on the other side. See ya. If you would like to get some more information on running your business in a more feminine fashion, I am just an email away and I can definitely help you with that. My email is in the bio. Drop me a line and I will get back to you. Other than that, leave me a comment, give me a like, hit that subscribe button and share this episode out with your friends. Thanks for listening in. You can catch me on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher at Women Are The Journey. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you on the other side.